this series. I'm always excited every time we start a new series. I don't know why, I just am. And um, this one particularly because I think that we're going to be able to, in this, this particular week as an intro, kind of explains where we're going, uh, and it maybe explains the problem. And then the next four after that are going to be some really practical solutions and practical ways we can uh, move forward. So I had this Nissan Altima. Some of you remember it. It, it was in the parking lot. It's a 2010. No, 2000. There's a difference, okay? And um, it had 195,000 miles on it. And uh, we just put her to, uh, to rest just recently. Um, but we knew she was getting old, and um, we call it, you know, it's her, you know, Altima, you know. Alta Mama, or whatever you want to call her. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> one of the indications was the check engine light came on. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience. It's a horrifying one. But basically what it says is you're about to pay a lot of money. Uh, and that's what the light means. It means money. It should just be a dollar sign. Bam, there you go. You know, you know, and none of us save for this kind of stuff. I mean, maybe you do. But like, who goes, honey, you remember that 800 bucks? I found a place to spend it. You know, it's on the car. Oh, great. Oh, you're so wise. No, it always comes as a shock. And, and so the check engine light came on, and the guy at the, we took it in, and the guy at the station said, um, um, your catalytic converter is pretty much shot, and so it won't pass smog. And so I, I quickly did what everybody would do and look and see how much time I had left like when was my last smog and it was coming up in a couple months to get it smog and I was like that means I got to get a whole new car and so I prayed this prayer dear Jesus please let that check engine light go away so I can pass smog okay I didn't mind that I was totally destroying the ozone layer or I was a gross polluter or anything like that I'm just like, I don't want to spend the money. So I prayed this prayer. I'm not kidding you. My check engine light goes off, and I'm like, we drive it right to the place, you know, and I'm like, check it, you know, and they checked it, and we passed, and so I had two more years left on the car, and I'm like, woo, you know, just stuff's flying out the tailpipe. I don't even care. I'm just like, yeah, you know, curse you, ozone. Yeah, I'm doing this whole thing. And so, um, so then, so that was good, and then um, oil just started leaking out of the, the, the oil thing, the, the, the oiler, the oiler in there that oils everything. Oil started leaking out. And, uh, and then out of the radiator, there was this little uh, crack in the seam of the radiator and, and radiator fluid sta started uh, so coming out of the thing. And then we wouldn't have any radiator fluid. And then it would get really hot, which would burn the oil. Uh, and so that it would start smoking. And so we'd be at a stoplight and people are like, yeah. And we're like, yeah, we're just idiots. Thank you. <laughs> you know, got two more years left before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So the way I got around all this, because when the check engine light comes on and smoke starts coming out and all these indications that something's wrong. Right. I handled it by just having my kids drive that car. And then I drove one that was much safer. Uh, the thing is, we never really fixed anything. We just kind of dealt with the smoke and dealt with the lights and dealt with the people pointing and laughing and, you know, calling us names and stuff. And we just kind of like worked around the issue. 
In our bodies, we have check engine lights, right? It's a little twinge of the tooth when you're drinking something cold and you're like, oh no, you know, it's probably a cavity or whatever. And we do the same thing. I'll just chew on the other side. That's why God gave us two sides of our mouth, right? All the teeth fall out of this one. No problem, no problem. I got another side, you know? Sometimes we'll sit down and we're like, Check engine light comes on. We want to unbuckle our pants because it feels more comfortable. And you're like, hey, something's, you're, you know, you're starting to grow. You know, like check engine light. And we think, well, I'll just get bigger pants. You know, like we, these check engine lights in our lives come on all the time, all the time. And we oftentimes ignore it. And the reason we ignore it is because we don't think we have the resources to, to pay for it. We don't think we have it or we're ashamed of what might happen. Because when we take our car or our teeth or whatever to a professional, their job is not to encourage us. Their job is to give us the truth. So when I go to the dentist, right, and he's like, takes out the jackhammer and he's like, you know, he doesn't say, well, you probably just didn't have time, you know, to brush or whatever. He's like, dude, if you keep this up, you're going to need this, 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 and this. Same thing with our car. We go and we take our car in and they're like, here are your problem, you know, here's why the engine light came on. And we don't want to hear it. Well, the thing is, God has given us a check engine light for our soul as well. We can call it our conscience. We can call it a, a, a nudging of the Holy Spirit, kind of wherever you want to come from. There, oftentimes in our life, a light will come on and it might be in the form of a spouse going, you know, we have a problem here. And you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know? Or it might be in the form of a spouse, you've got a problem <laughs> here. It might be in the form of a bill we get, you know, a visa bill. And we're like, look down and we go, you know what? I don't think I'm doing a very good job with my finances. Or you might be thinking to yourself, you know what? Why am I so stressed out? And God has placed in us this check engine light that can come on at any time. And the Bible talks about that. And one of the things we're going to see as we move forward here, I, I just put out like two things we desperately need, whether it's in our car, our teeth, our, you know, our, our health or our soul. We need two things. And I, I wrote this one down. Uh, we need an accurate diagnosis. It does you no good to go to the dentist and he's like, you got teeth, dude. Yeah, thank you. One of them hurts. Totally. What's wrong? I have no idea, but I know it hurts. Like, you know, accurate diagnosis. Let me show you this little thing that I, I brought up on here. Bob Davis has one of these. This is a, this is a Actron OBD2 auto scanner. You, everyone's, get, yeah, thanks. Is that a Chihuahua? What was that? <laughs> here, boy. No, all right, so anyway. Uh, so this thing, you plug it into your car, and it tells you what's wrong with it, right? You know, don't you wish, like, oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but what happened was all the automakers would, would have different codes, and the mechanics had to buy different devices to try and figure out those codes, and it was very expensive. And you'd have to go to the automaker in order to get, uh, find out what was wrong, and it would cost you, and so it cost us as consumers to go and have our, our stuff checked. And so the federal government, in their infinite wisdom, sometimes they make good choices, uh, said, look, a, a car after a certain year, 
they all have to have this certain plug. It's all the same plug, and they have to give out the same codes. So now when your check engine light comes on, you've got a couple of options. You can either ha own one of these um, or, like I do, know someone who owns one of these and treat them well. Um, or, or, or you could just go, when you go to the, um, you know, garage, they just have one of these, the Actron OBD2 auto scanner, and you just plug it in there, and you're like, cool. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> Knowing what the problem is isn't always the most helpful thing. So I wrote down some things that the Actron OBD2 auto scanner uh, will tell you if you want to get a picture of it. It looks like that if you couldn't see it cl close enough. But so this thing will tell you, um, and I, I had to write this down even though I'm really great with cars, um, your there's an exhaust gas recirculation valve. And so that will just tell you right then you have one or it doesn't work or whatever. Um, there's a manifold absolute pressure sensor, which I've been saying for years. Uh, <laughs> there's an EGR valve position sensor. Now, let's just say I bought one of these and I plugged it in and it told me that. So what? I've never even heard of these things before. I wouldn't know where they are. And quite frankly, it frightens me. To think that I might, I don't, some of that stuff sounds like lasers are coming out of it. It's just all high tech. I don't understand it. I open up my hood. The, the right diagnosis is critical. It's critical. But there's another critical point I wrote on here too that I want you to see. Need number two is someone knowledgeable enough to fix the problem. I, I can have sensors all day long and they can tell me all this kind of stuff, but until I know what to do with that information, it does me no good. And this is true in every area of our life. With my car, maybe you're a car guy and you're like, I knew all those terms. Okay, well, let's open up your computer then. Ah, you know, like, like pick, pick the thing. I mean, we, we're all not pros with all this kind of stuff. Some of us are and we need each other for that. But just pick it, your car, your computer, your teeth, your health. It's true with our souls as well. Knowing what the problem is, knowing the right diagnosis, and then finding someone to help us fix it. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to look into a section of scripture um, that, uh, that talks about this. It's out of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by the wisest man in the world. His name was Solomon. And he prayed, and this is really important. He God, God said, I'll give you anything you want, which think about that. You know, it'd be like super lotto or something, you know. And then, you know, get anything you want. He prays for wisdom. Now listen, we often miss this. In the story of Solomon, he, not he doesn't just pray for wisdom. He prays for wisdom, and he says this, that I can lead this great people of yours. Like, I don't just want wisdom to know, you know, what, which things in the stock market I should do or when do I plant my corn and all that kind of stuff. He specifically said, I want wisdom to be able to lead this great people of yours. So when we read his wisdom, what it's telling us is how to be led by the wisest man in the world who's listening to God. 
So when we read Proverbs and we read Ecclesiastes and we uh, read these things, we, we, we have to look from a standpoint. It's not just a wise man. It's a wise man trying to lead the people of God. That's what it is. So we'll start out in um, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate, she makes her speech. And so what's happening is Solomon is describing, and ladies, you should be stoked about this. Solomon thinks, what would be a great example of wisdom? I know, a woman. Okay, yeah, see that? So, okay, and so what we're doing, so this is what Solomon does. Hey, he's the wisest man in the world. You can't argue with him, right? Okay. So ladies, you know, who, who, whatever. Okay, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. At, on top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Listen to this. This is, what, this is the first thing I want us to understand. Wisdom is readily available. Wisdom is readily available. That light that comes on, there's a reason for it. Your check engine light. You can get all the information you need on cars, on computers, on all that kind of stuff for that. But when it comes to our soul, wisdom is readily available. She screams from the street corner. The issue is, do we want to hear what she has to say? See, when I look back at my own life, almost every time when I'm honest with myself and I look back, it wasn't that I didn't know what to do. I said I didn't want to do it. I knew the right thing. It wasn't like I lacked wisdom. We uh, had a friend of ours, a young man who was dating a, a woman or a young lady that it was just a bad, bad decision, and everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. And so... It was like, you, you know, you know how it is. You're talking to somebody and you can kind of see patterns in their life or the way that they're going and you're trying to figure out a way without being judgmental how to, how to bring it up, you know? Like, hey, you know, Cindy seems nice, you know? Hopefully she'll get that ankle bracelet, you know, the tracking device taken off, you know? When does that happen? It's a really nice one though, you know? You, you, you kind of just like begin to do that. Wisdom doesn't do that. Wisdom is like, here is the deal. Okay, now watch. Keep that in the back of your mind because we're going to see what her speech is. It says, uh, at the gate, she makes her speech. Here's wisdom's speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? Like, I don't like wisdom. Wisdom is like right in my face. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Here's what wisdom says. The reason you don't know what to do, the reason you're not hearing it is because you don't want to. And you go, man, but that's so harsh. Like, I don't like this. You know, maybe now we understand why, why it's in the form of a woman because it's just like, man, it goes and gets you. No, I'm kidding. That was a, that was a joke. First service did not, they, they didn't even, that joke, just, it was like, I'm like, oh man, it's very scary, uh, right? Repent at my rebuke. Now watch this, because she gets even more upset. 
But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention, I will stretch out my hand when I stretch out my hand. Since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke. She, she's going, listen, because of this, now the next verse is so brutal. And yet, I want us to see it. In turn, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Now you go, here's what, here's, if you're like me, you're thinking, where's the grace of God in this? If wisdom comes from God, the truth comes from God, if I make a mistake, if I don't listen to wisdom, I mean, this sounds like, like God's up there going, but here's what all this is saying. Wisdom and truth always mock because they're wise and they're true. They, there's no other way. God is gracious and loving. Wisdom says, and we've seen it, okay, haven't you seen this before? You're looking at someone else's life and the decisions they're making, and you're like, oh, I know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> That's a really bad decision. Oh, they shouldn't do that. And then when it turns bad, the person goes, I can't believe, can you believe that? And you're like, totally, I can believe that. I saw that way back when I saw the ankle bracelet on her and all that. I mean, I, yeah, it was kind of, it was, but then, then you know, she's on parole. You know that, right? I mean, it's kind of like, like this thing. But isn't it hard for us? And this is why wisdom talks so strongly about being rebuked, being confronted. It's like the check engine, the service engine soon light comes on. It's on. It's in your face. And we don't like that. I mean, imagine if your check engine light thought about your feelings. You're driving down the road, all of a sudden through your speakers, hey, buddy, how's it going? It's your check engine light. Let me know when you have a chance to talk. And it goes away. I mean, you're a great driver. I just need to tell you a few things about your engine. I mean, of course, it's a, it's a dumb example. But isn't this what we want from wisdom? Don't we want it to kind of, hey, just give it to me, Jen. I mean, couldn't my check engine light be a bouquet of flowers? And it's like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, when you get a chance, we're just going to go over some, what was that, the, your exhaust gas recirculation valve, you know. But see, truth and wisdom is in your face because it's true. There is no kind of, remember when they came out with fuzzy math, they had that whole thing where they weren't going to, you know, math, kind of, because it, it made kids feel bad when they got a D on their math, and so they kind of said, well, as long as you try, and as long as you, and, you know, and, and all of us, you know, normal thinker people are like, no, if two plus two doesn't equal four, what are we going to do? That's because wisdom and truth is in your face. It's rebuking, it's correcting, it's saying, check your engine light, stop. Don't do that anymore. Bring it in. Get help. Do whatever you can. And yet in life, all, in all of our lives, we have this light that will go off and we'll think, I could put black electrical tape over that and no one would even know. <laughs> the engine's smoking and people, hey, your life, yeah, all right, we got it. See you later. I'm giving it to my daughters. You know, I mean, like, like, you see what I'm saying? 
we try to ignore it. We try to diagnose the problem ourselves. We try to look at someone else, you know, at least I'm not that guy's car. He's only, you know, he's, that thing's a piece of junk. Mine at least just smokes and has stuff falling off of it. You know, it's like, it's, uh, that's like, and wisdom doesn't say, oh, man, you know what? Look, when I said don't get into that relationship, listen, I take it all back. She really is cool. He really is cool. I know you're under a lot of stress. I know you feel like you're going to be all alone. So it's okay. Wisdom doesn't do that. Wisdom just puts that light on. Stop, stop, stop. Get it checked out. Now, why? Don't you want, I mean, we all say, we, I want a friend that just tells it to my face. And then you get that friend, you're like, I'm never talking to that dude. It's like, because we don't, we don't like it. We like to say we like it, but we really don't. Watch. So, Wisdom says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mock you. I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to laugh at you. And you think, man, God is really upset. No. Wisdom is doing what wisdom does. Because wisdom's whole role, truth's whole role, is to be true and to be wise. So that some who listen, who when she speaks from the street corners, goes, oh, okay, might, might be helped. Okay, now watch. It gets worse. Then they will call to me, but I won't answer. Like, hey, what? Okay. <laughs> you know, I made a mistake. Nah, you had your chance, says wisdom. Call me, but I won't answer. They'll look for me, but they won't find me since they hated knowledge and they did not choose to fear the, oh, Lord. All of a sudden, we begin to understand that there's something spiritual happening at this point. That this God who created wisdom, who created truth, that it will smack us over the head with it. That is a bad idea. You are struggling in this area. You need to get help. It's the same God that created you. He, he can take this thing and plug it in and go, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's wrong. You want to listen to what I have to say? No, that's old-fashioned. That thing was written 2,000 years ago with 40 different authors. Like, I don't know. I'd rather listen to somebody else. He's got it going on. Now watch. It says, you choose to fear the Lord. It gets worse. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. <laughs> yeah, when I look back over my life and I see uh, mistakes I've made, if I'm honest with myself, I mean truly honest with myself, I knew right at the time it was a bad idea. And I thought I could get away with it. I thought that it wouldn't affect me. I thought that wisdom was just like nagging me. Ugh. I thought the truth was like relative. I just wanted it to be a certain way. And so I, you know, you ever done that when your check engine light comes on? I just, I don't even, I don't even, I don't see anything. You know, you just ignore it. God doesn't work that way. He loves us too much. You ever, you ever get to the end of a relationship and you go, man, that was a bad idea, and then you start thinking back, well, I kind of knew it was a bad idea even when I first started. That same gentleman I was, I was, I was telling you about 
with the with the girl. Uh, the relationship ended, and so, like those around him are like, "Whew, you know, that's ah, it's probably for the best." You know, that that, that really didn't look like it was going to work out. And the guy goes, "Well, why didn't you tell me?" As though, right? No, don't mock him because we do the same thing. As though if you had told me, it's your fault. You didn't tell me. If you had told me, I would have cut it off right then. Right. She said, well, if you had told me it was a bad investment, I would have pulled my, yeah, right. We don't like to hear it. And so we end up, and some of us in this room are eating the fruit of our ways and we're filled with the fruit of our schemes. Now, here's the great news. There is a heavenly father that created you that knows all the diagnostics. He was the one with the annoying light. He was the one in your head going, ah, it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. He understands all that. And while we still may pay the consequences for that failed business, failed marriage, failed relationship, failed finances, he's there to restore us, to catch us, to bring restoration. What I want to do is I want to show you these next two verses that we're going to end up memorizing over the next four weeks as we kind of really delve into what does it mean to have God uh, put that check engine light or service engine soon light on us? How do, we, how do we deal with that? How do we actually fix the problem? And how do we take this idea that we, we, we first need a, a, the accurate diagnosis and that we need people around us to help us fix the problem. We can't do it on our own. So we'll look at that. But I, I want you to see these two verses. One is very discouraging <laughs> and one is very encouraging. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. That's interesting. This verse is interesting because... If you look at those two words, waywardness and complacency, they're not very strong words. Like, it's not like the, the foolishness of the simple or the, the rebellion of the simple. It's just waywardness. It's very small. Here's what wisdom is trying to tell us as a church, as a people. If I look back over my life at the biggest mistakes I've made. Very few of them were out of outright rebellion and hatred with God and cursing. And I know what you're saying, but I'm going this way. It doesn't happen that way. It happens this way. God says to do this, and I do this. Just a little bit. No big deal. We'd call it dabbling. We'd call it uh, testing. We'd call it Ooh, you know, I'm researching. We'd call it, you know, whatever. That, yeah, well, you know, how do you really know what that means? I mean, as long as I'm in the general direction, except what we know, because we're sophisticated and smart, that if you start on a journey towards something and you're just a little bit off, given a long amount of time and distance, the waywardness will kill you. Waywardness is not a big, strong word. And yet wisdom is saying, don't even mess. 
the check engine light is on. There's something going on in you. You've got to get it dealt with now. So that brings us to our second one, complacency. Now, I mean, we just started dating. Let's just see how it goes a couple months. They might accept the Lord. Right? They might, I mean, they're really hot. Like, you know, I mean, we were really close. You know, and they're really nice to me. I mean, I, you know, whatever. Or we do the other thing, like, well, the last person, they're way better than the last person. We're still off a little bit. And so we say, well, I'll give it a little bit of time. I'm going to start going to the meetings next week. I'm, I'm going to start, you know what, I'm going to, uh, in two weeks, I, I got this big thing, this big, once I score this deal at work, I'm a, it's straight and narrow for me. I'm going to, when I go into and do a sales thing, it's nothing but the truth. But this one, I just, we just got to score this one deal. We just got to do this one little thing. I'm just going to take this one last one and then well, I've pro, this is it from here on out. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency doesn't say quit. It doesn't say never. It doesn't, it's just that stalling. A little bit we're off. And again, God isn't there with a baseball bat winding up and right when you get a little bit, there you go, I told you, you never go. That's the problem. God is gracious with us and says, listen, hey, you're going the wrong way. Engine light's on, engine light's on. Don't do that. You gotta, you gotta get it right now. Don't, I know it's just a little bit. Get back, get back, get back. Do it now, do it tomorrow. Get an accountability, get in a small group. You gotta get it. But our complacency and our waywardness kills us and destroys us. And I'm telling you, I can look back on my life and the most, the, where I feel the most shame, if you will, or regret, it wasn't from some, I didn't bust into a liquor store and tell everyone to lay down, okay? It was just one little thing that I, and then each little decision after that, when I w- ended up where I ended up, I looked back and I went, she was screaming from the street corners. I heard it the whole time. But my waywardness and my complacency killed me. Now, that's the bad news, <laughs> okay? Because it kept getting worse, didn't it? That was just terrible. I felt bad for you guys. I, I've already read most of it, so uh, check this out. So the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacencies of, complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Listen, we have a way to get really good diagnostics from our soul. As we take the word of God, as we read it, memorize it, apply it, struggle with it, sit around with people and discuss it. As we kind of analyze the word of God, our soul at the same time starts getting analyzed as well. And the lights come on and yes, wisdom is not here to encourage us. Wisdom doesn't say, look, you've come a long way. It says, man, you got to deal with this thing. And you're, you're reading the Bible and you're like, oh, man. You know, if I don't forgive others, my sins won't be forgiven. I don't like I don't like this or whatever. And it's just like, hey, check engine soon. Get that taken care of. I, if you f- follow my Facebook or are friends on Facebook, I posted uh, last night that you were going to see the most awesome, lamest 
transition you've ever seen in a sermon, the graphic. I created a graphic last night, and it's so bad that you'll never forget it. And you'll think, that's the corniest thing I've ever seen. That's, he should be fired. You'll be starting a petition. Get him out of here. No more bad graphics. So we've seen this one, right? This is so, it gives me the creeps even to think about it. Okay. Don't you just want to smack me? I mean, it's like so bad. All I did was just layer the one thing on the other. Like, didn't take me any, any time at all. I was terrible. Let's do it one more time. It's just to feel the pain. Ah, oh, man, it's so bad. One more time. Okay, now we're done. All right. Okay. Listen, I'm, I'm playing around, but look, God has given us wisdom. God has given us understanding. God has given us his word. And, and again, not to stretch the analogy too far, but he created us. So he knows how we operate. He's got the owner's manual. He understands, you know, here's the thing. You, if you don't take care of that soon, this is what's going to happen. And, and, so, and then he created this thing called the church because he knows that we're going to try to self-diagnose and go, well, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. It's just a little rattle. Turn up the radio and no, no, no problem. What could be worse than that? Country music. But the, uh, the thing is, all right. God knows. Now, the question is, going way back to that original thing, are we going to listen to wisdom? Are, are we going to keep dabbling? Are we going to keep being wayward in, in that thing that God's going, oh, man, because it's so hard when you're just wayward to see all the consequences. But isn't it easy after you've seen all the consequences to backtrack and go, oh, yeah, well, no, duh. And so what God's trying to say with that check engine light, the reason it's not a bouquet of flowers, the reason it's wisdom going, I will mock you when this happens because it's, so, it's true. It's just life. God cares about your life. He does. He loves you. And what we think is dabbling and what we think is this and that, God is going, oh, no, it's so much more than that. I have so much more for you. If you would listen to me comes life. 